0: Be seated. Good morning and welcome to Midway. We're so thankful you're here. We have guests today and we appreciate that. I want you to know that you're always welcome. I we want you to know that if you're looking for a place with which to work and worship God, we'd love to talk with you and want you to know that we would love to have you here with us at Midway. You know, it's that time of year again, isn't it? You look out and you see the, the yellow outside. You see the pollen and many of us are struggling this morning even with uh, the effects of the pollen. We have the, the nasal uh, stuffiness and, and down in our chest, you know, all the allergic reactions to the pollen and all those kinds of things. But, you know, when that pollen comes out, we also know that it's the time of year that, that the green begins to come out as well. Just a few short weeks ago, everything was brown and dead looking. And now it's beginning to turn green and lively and beautiful again. And so we're thankful for that and we look forward to that. Back in the fall of the year, we, we know that if the Lord allows time to go on, that every, even though things turn to all of those beautiful colors and then turn to the brown and then the leaves fall off and the grass dies, that there will come a time when it all comes back. When it's raised again, when we look forward to that time when, when we have the beauty of the season of spring and then of summer itself. I want you to turn your Bible, if you will, to the book of Job this morning. In Job chapter 14, we'll spend just a little bit of time there. In Job chapter 14, Job raises a question, He said, or uh, makes a statement. He said, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, if you break that down, it's simply this. Job says that, that man is, is uh, life is short, and, and the life that he lives is, is difficult. And, and so he is contemplating that. He himself has experienced that. He knows firsthand all of all that life can offer, and, and he knows how painful it can be because of the loss of everything, including his 10 children. And, and so we can, we can understand just a, a little bit about where job. Is coming from, but he he continues on in verse number two, and he said, he comes out like a flower and withers, he flees like a shadow and continues not you know the flowers are beginning to come out, but as i 've just talked about, they will eventually fade away, and we 'll go back to that fall and then that winter again, and a shadow is just like that it 's there for just a moment, and when you turn it 's completely gone and so Job says man is sort of like that, that man who has a short life and a difficult life. And he continues on in the chapter, and he talks about man, and he says, Since his days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass, look away from him. Leave him alone, that he may enjoy like a hard hand his day.'" Job, job is experiencing all of these tragedies in his life and, and he's thinking about it. He's contemplating all that's happened to him and has happened to mankind in general. And he said, man is sort of like a hired uh, wage worker who, who's been hired to, to do a difficult job. And he just wished the boss would leave him alone so he could get his work done and go home and enjoy life at the end of the day. And, and <coughs> sort of, <coughs> that's sort of the idea that he portrays about God. God, since, since life is so short and, and, and man has so much to, to suffer through, why don't you just let him alone? Let him enjoy his life and, and let him get on with it. Let, let everything uh, go away. But again, Job continues on in verses 7 through 10. He says, for there's hope for a tree if it's cut down that it will sprout again, that its shoots will not cease, though its root grow old in the earth and the stump die in the soil. Yet in the sin of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last. And where's he? More hope for a tree that's cut down, tree that dies, tree that's out there, that somewhere along the way there will be a shoot that comes up. That there, there will be a, another little tree that will grow up from where that old tree used to be. There's more hope for a tree to do that. Not every tree that's cut down will sprout again. But, but there's more hope for a tree to do that, Job says, than for man. Because when he dies, he's buried. And I've never seen one come back up. And so that's what he, that's what he points out. He's making that, that statement. But he goes on in verses 11 and 12. He says, as waters fail and the lake and the river waste away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Now wait a minute, Job. You're talking about life here on this earth and people coming back out of the graves. But, but Job, have you raised the possibility that there will be a time when man himself will, will come forth? And it may be that Job, in his hope, in his desire, and in his limited knowledge of what the resurrection was all about, at least, at the very least, he was hoping for this particular thing to happen. I'm not sure how much he knew about the resurrection. He did not know as much as we know. We know that there were some things about which Job was confused because in chapters 38 through 41... Job raises a lot of or God raises a lot of questions for Job. Job can't answer those questions. And so God points out very clearly that Job doesn't know everything. But then we continue on in verse 13. Or that you would hide me in Sheol, that that you would conceal me until your wrath be passed, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. Here's what Job is hoping for. He said, I wish I could die. Sheol, the grave, if you were listening when Luke read this morning from this passage, uh, I wish you'd just put me in the grave and leave me alone until that time. Let me rest. I've gone through enough, Lord. I've suffered enough. I've lost enough. I wish you'd just leave me alone. Leave me alone until the time. But you know what? Job didn't want to stay there. Job wanted to come out. He said, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service, I'd wait till my renewal should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. Yes, Job said, I wish I could go on and die, but he didn't want to stay in the grave. He wanted to rise again. He wanted to be alive again. And during that life, he wanted not a life like he had, but he wanted a life in which things were good. A life in which things were, were, were made good by God. That God Himself would, would delight. That He would, would give him joy in his life. Rather than Job having to experience all of the difficult things, the hard things, the bad things that he had to go through. But as you know, we're studying questions. Questions this year, the greatest questions that have ever been asked. And here's one of the greatest questions that has ever been asked. Job said... He asks if a man dies, shall he live again? Folks, we don't know everything that we'd like to know about death and the resurrection. Like Job, there are some things that we do know, some things that we'd like to know. But you know what? Sometimes people are dead wrong about the ideas that they have in regard to death and perhaps the resurrection itself. They, they don't have the right information. They, they don't have the right understanding. And so... In the time that we have this morning, I want to spend just a little bit talking about this. I want us to think about it as we reflect on the question that Job asked so long ago, if a man dies, shall he live again? Let's particularly look at it from the standpoint of death, but as we look at, the sta- from, look at it from the standpoint of death, we'll also see uh, the life that is to come after that, the resurrection that is to come. So what are some of the misunderstandings that man has about death? Well, I want us to know this morning that death is more than the ultimate biological reality. What do you mean by that? Well, when man lives, he's going also to die. That's just a part of biological life here on this earth. To the atheist, the one who doesn't believe in God, death is no more than just the cessation, the ceasing of uh, uh, of physical life on this earth. We're just like old Rover when we're dead all over when, when we die. But death is much more than a biological phenomenon that we have here in this life. You see, life itself is a gift from God. Do you remember what Paul said in the book of Acts chapter 17 at verse number 25? In that passage speaking about God, Paul said this, He himself, that is God, Gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You're not alive this morning just by happenstance. You're not alive this morning just because some elements came together that made you live. You are alive today because God gave you life. And so life is more than just a biological thing. But by the same token, death is also more than just a biological thing because just as God gave life, just as God has given us that, He also gave death as a punishment for sin. Do you remember what the Bible says back in the book of Genesis chapter 2 at verse number 17? But uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We're not saying this morning that, that death is a, a punishment to each one of us because we have done something wrong. It doesn't mean that every time someone dies, it's because he has been a bigger sinner than anyone else. Even innocent babies pass from this life, they die. But as we think about it, Paul also reaffirmed that just... Uh, uh, as death entered into this world through one man, so life comes through one man, that is Christ. Romans chapter 5 at verse number 12. Sometimes skeptics of the Bible ridicule the biblical concept of death. Why it is that we die? We die because, because man has become sinful. A- a- and the skeptics in life, they ridicule that. One even wrote this statement. He said, it, that is death, this concept of death that we find in the Bible, it is viewed as an absurd myth that belongs to the Stone Age. The, the fact that man dies because he has sinned uh, belongs to the Stone Age. That's what one guy said. And so, as we look at it, death to some folks is no more than just the biological reality. But that's not the case. Think about this. If life had the evolutionary ability to jumpstart itself, why can it not sustain itself? Just the other day, my battery on my car uh, went down. And, and, and I charged it up and, and, and I drove it. it. It worked pretty good, but I got to where I was going and I had to jump it off. Had to jumpstart that thing, it wouldn't hold a charge. But evolutionists tell us, well, life just jump-started itself. Just all of the things came together at one time in the right place, and life formed. Well, folks, if it can jump-start itself, why can't it just keep on sustaining itself? Why can't it keep on providing that which we need in order to have life? Is it not remarkable that evolution is supposedly progressive, that it's getting better that that the idea of uh, of the selection of the uh, of the species that, that that you know only the strong survive if that is the case and, and there's a refining process and in, in the concept of of evolution that is true then why do we still die why is life on earth not getting longer rather than shorter You know, a long time ago, back in the beginning, mankind lived to be over 900 years old. And today, we live approximately 70 to 80 years. In reality, we don't live today any longer than than mankind did in the days of David, some 3,000 years ago, when God said, that mankind's lifespan would be three score and ten. And if by reason of strength, four score, we live to about that age. And so as we look at life, evolution is not making making us live longer. It's not sustaining life. If the natural selection that evolutionists talk about was working, we should be going in the opposite direction. But in reality, the reverse is true. Why haven't we evolved into immortality? Well, death is more than just biology. It points us back to God. It points us back to the Creator. Death is an argument that no materialist on, in this earth can ever answer. He can't get past God. And so this morning, life is not just some biological reality, or death rather, is not just some biological reality that happens. But then secondly this morning, not only that, but death is not the termination of human existence. It's not the, the, the end, it's not the, 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 the ceasing to be of, of the human being. Folks, in our, in our society, in our world today... Suicide has reached epidemic proportions. There there are a number of people who are ending their own life, thinking that they're going to cease to be and that they're going to cease to have problems. They're going to cease uh, to be faced with anything. And, And along these lines, let me just take a little time out for a commercial here. On May the 19th of this year, we'll be hosting a suicide prevention workshop here at Midway with Brother Lonnie Jones, and he'll be, he'll be talking about <coughs> excuse me suicide, and then that afternoon we'll be having a question and answer session with our teens uh, uh, with Brother Lonnie. Uh, but, but back to the suicide part itself, why do we need things like that? Why do we need suicide prevention workshops and, and the like? Well, because it's so prevalent. And, and, and so folks who want to just end it all think that they will end it all by, by death. But the fact is, death only ends one's earthly existence and, and not one's personal existence. It, it just ends our life here, but it doesn't end our life you know, biblical evidence makes it abundantly clear that at the point of death, the spirit of a person leaves the body. That's what James chapter 2 at verse 26 teaches us, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Indeed, death is a separation, but that's not the same as an extinction. That's not the same as, as life itself being snuffed out the entirety of it. You see, what we find in the Word of God, in the Scriptures, in God's book, the Bible, it is the evidence that, that the soul of man enters into what is simply called in the Bible the, the Hadean realm or into Hades itself. Uh, notice a couple of passages, if you will, in the book of Revelation chapter 1 at verse number 18. The Bible says, And the living one... I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Two things there that Jesus says, I have uh, in my hands, I have the keys of, uh, of death and Hades. In Revelation chapter 20, at verses 13 and 14, the sea gave up their dead, and who were in it? Death and Hades. Uh, uh, Gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. What is it, John, that you're writing about? When he uses the concept of death, he's talking about the place where the body lies, the grave. The graves gave up their dead. But then he also speaks about not only death, but but Hades, the not seen realm. The place where the spirits have gone. The departed spirits that have left the body and the, the body has gone into the grave. But they have gone and they have been stored there, been kept there for the judgment day. But there will come a time when those two are no longer separated. Death and Hades, the grave, and, and the Hadean realm will be dissolved. It will be done away. The narrative found in the Word of God, the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, make it clear that both the rich man and Lazarus, they were both alive. And, and their existence continued on. And Christ promised the, the thief, one of the thieves on the cross, Christ promised him, today you will be with me in paradise. Every biblical passage which speaks of the coming judgment, just like all of these other things that we've mentioned here under this point, they all point to the fact that mankind is still alive somewhere. And so as we, as we look at it, we see that death is not the termination, not the termination of the human existence. But then next on our list, we need to understand this. Death is not a state of non-conscious existence. You know, in the book of John chapter 11, verses 11 through 13, one of the friends of Jesus had become sick, man by the name of Lazarus. And Jesus talks to his apostles about the fact that that Lazarus um, is sick, and, and if you read the Bible, says after saying these things, he said to them, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep." Well, if you continue reading there, you'll know what the disciples thought. They thought, "Well, Lazarus is sick, and he's fallen asleep, and since he's fallen asleep, he's going to sleep it off, and he's going to get better. He'll get well." You know, if he's able to rest and, and, and recover, then, then he's going to get well. Jesus had to tell them plainly in that passage. He had to expressly state it. In verse 13, the Bible says, Now Jesus had spoken of his death, that he thought, uh, but they thought that he meant that he was taking a sleep. Jesus was talking about death. You know, while the Bible speaks of death as a sleep, that term is used only in regard to the body itself. It's not talking about the soul. How do I know that? Well, the part of man that sleeps, as we'll notice on our uh, sheets, the part of man that sleeps in death is that which is deposited into the, body, uh, into the grave, as is stated to us by the book of Daniel, chapter 12, at verse number 2. The Bible says, "...and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake." Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This involves only the body, not the soul. That's what, that's what Daniel is talking about. But what about the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, at verse 19? The Bible says, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. Watch this. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. When he talks about the body coming back, He talks about how that that awakes and how that it's able to sing for joy. Again, both the rich man and Lazarus were conscious following their deaths back in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And and again, as we look through the Bible, we can see in the book of Revelation, chapter number 6, verses 9 through 11, that John writes about those souls that were under the altar And in that passage, the Bible says, when He had opened to me the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God. And what were they doing? Well, He goes on in verse 10 and He says, They cried out. They're not unconscious. They're able to know. They're able to speak. And so they're not lying somewhere in a non-conscious state. The body is in the grave. The body itself will decay. God Himself will be able to restore that body and make it a spiritual body so that the spirit and the the body itself can be rejoined. That's what resurrection is. (coughs) But on the other side, when that soul has been separated from that body and is residing in that unseen realm, just as the rich man himself was tormented there was consciousness and just as lazarus had it been possible for for him to go back and had it done any good just as he uh, could speak to abraham and, and and abraham could have sent him he was conscious we don't look forward to a time that there is no consciousness but but then let's look go farther Death is not the final and permanent state of the body. You know, the ancient Sadducees, those in Jesus' day, denied the ultimate resurrection of the body, didn't they? When you turn to Matthew chapter 22 at verse 23, it makes it clear that way. But you know what? We've got a lot of folks today who believe the same thing, that there will be no such thing as a resurrection. I have some friends on Facebook, they're Preachers and they argue a false doctrine. Uh, a doctrine that was uh, promoted by a man by the name of Max King that that simply says something like this, that there's no such thing as a bodily resurrection. That uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 speaks about, when he's talking about the resurrection that's there, it speaks about the resurrection of Christianity and, and, and how that... Though it would be pushed down by the Jewish people who were, were uh, uh, persecuting the Christians of the early days uh, that after AD. 70, that they no longer would be able to do that, because the Romans destroyed them. And I understand that you lo- are looking probably at me and saying, "What?" And I just want you to know that I'm looking back at you and saying, "What?" It doesn't make sense. It is as far away from the truth of God's Word as anything could be. In the book of John, chapter 11, at verse 24, the Bible says, Martha said to him, talking about Christ, she said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Talking, about, talking to Christ about her brother that is in the grave. <coughs> in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And, and actually, Paul helps, to, uh, uh, helps us understand by putting a denial of a bodily resurrection in the same category as repudiating Christ's own resurrection. If you deny that, then... Uh, then uh, Uh, or deny the bodily resurrection, then you're denying Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 through 16. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain and we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise. If it's true that the dead are not raised... For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And so, so Paul, he, he helps us understand it. Death, death is not the final and permanent state of mankind. You know, if we go back to the original question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Well, let me just get sidetracked. To tell you the truth, many hope that the dead will not live again. What? Every single person who is lost, every single person who has not given their life to Christ should hope that there is no such thing as a resurrection. They would be better off if there was no such thing. but they will be. All of us will be. Job said, if a man dies, shall he live again? The answer to that is unequivocally yes. Yes. The real thing that we need to be concerned about is this. Where? Where will we live? You know... Where we will live depends on the decisions that we make in this life. The where part. The yes part is settled. The where part is based on what we do. Good friends, there are only two possibilities. Only two choices. Only two places. One, you can travel a wide and broad and easy way and you can get there. And the other, it's a lot more difficult. But the one that's more difficult is more worthy. Worthy. It's the only place where we'll have true life. And if we're willing to travel that road, then we can have it. It may be this morning that you've never gotten on the road. You've never been baptized into Christ. You're still walking down that, that old wide and broad path where so many other folks are traveling. If that's the case, we invite you this morning just as Christ invites you to come, come to Him and to give your life to Him believing in Him, repenting of your sins, making the great confession and being baptized in order to have your sins washed away. It may be this morning that you know that's what you need to do. We'd love to assist you with that. It may be this morning that you need to know more, would like to know more. We'd love to study with you about that. Whatever the case may be, when it comes time and when you do know, you must give your life to Christ in that way. It may be this morning in the past you've done that, but your life has not been lived for him. You tried to get back on that old wide and broad way. You know that your life is leading you to the wrong place. You know this morning that you're going to live again. But the question is, is where? Where will you live? That's in your hands. Maybe this morning that you that you need to come as we sing an invitation song, if that is the case, why don't you do it? As together we stand and sing.